Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today, to discuss Psalm 4, we have Pastor Q Han. Q is our Associate Pastor of Pastoral Care and Community Engagement here at Grand Springs Church and is a chaplain in the Army Reserves. I'm looking forward to this conversation because if you've ever had the chance to have a conversation with Q, you know that he brings his whole self And I'm confident as we look at Psalm 4 together that that's going to be a gift. So buckle up, friends, because here's my friend Q reading Psalm 4. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Q, welcome to Curious Psalms. How was my introduction of you? Did it it feel good? It was a wonderful introduction. I was planning on bringing only my 80% of myself today. But with that intro, (laughs) dude, I got a... I got to bring my 100 today. <laughs> we want nothing no. less. The listeners yep. want nothing less. The Psalms deserve <laughs> nothing less than your full 100% cue. <laughs> well said. Thanks for the intro. That was great. I love it. No, super glad to get to sit down and talk about Psalm 4. We've got our three questions cue. It's a very easy format. You're familiar with it. So we should say up front that neither you nor I are Psalms experts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We've had conversations with people who have all interacted with the Psalms in different ways. So Kevin's written a book on the Psalms. Aaron's written music around the Psalms. Libby's PhD is literally on the Psalms. <laughs> I don't see this episode, Q, though, as coming down. You know, I don't see it that way. I see this as continuing conversation because the reality is any of us can read the Bible, yeah. ask questions, and hear what the Lord has to say through it. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because like I said, I think you're going to bring your own unique perspective and it will be be good. So let's dive in. Can I give you first word on just our first question? What stood out to you, Q, in reading this psalm? I mean, I was was just going to turn the table to you and I was curious uh, what your (laughs) thoughts would be, but yeah, I'd be happy to go first. A lot of things actually stand out from this psalm, Matt. But I think one thing that really stood out to me the most was how David shifts in verse 2. You know, he starts his prayer turning toward God. And it sounds like starting from verse 2, he shifts and he starts talking to the people. And it really Mm -hmm. sounds like these are people who may have been falsely accusing David or spreading lies about him. You know, I don't know about the context here, but it it sounds like there is some deep sense of distress that David has been experiencing around and with his people, right? So I just really find it fascinating how he would start this prayer and he's addressing these things. You know, he's talking to God and all of a sudden, verse 2, 
he it's almost you know as if you know he's overtaken by his his own emotions as he's thinking about these people who have been causing these things or spreading lies about him and he extensively goes on talking directly to people and i just thought mm-hmm. about how you know i don't know about you but sometimes and oftentimes when i'm praying i become conscious about what i'm praying and how i pray and the words that i'm selecting and all these things so in that sense i just find it very almost like freeing to hear david just go off on and huh. about these people you know what i mean so i, yeah. I found that re- really fascinating and another thing that kind of stands out from the same passage i want to say verse 2 and 3 where David is not just talking to these people and and hoping and praying that these people would be proven wrong and holding them to accountability but he's actually calling them to repentance it sounds like he he seems to be really interested in the flourishing of these people at the end and yeah. that's one thing that really stood out to me because I don't think I can confidently say that I I get it <laughs> I uh-huh. get you David you know what I mean I can't fully understand mm. You know, here he is going extensively and talking to these people and about these people and maybe, you know, his disappointment and even anger about these people, but at the end of the day, calling them to repentance and back to the community of God where he himself finds himself in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just find all of that fascinating. I kind of had some similar observations to you, although I think how you deepened them. I love this idea of this psalm tracking sort of the mind drift that we all have in prayer. <laughs> this is the reality, right? Our minds shift and go in all kinds of places. I, I love the idea that this is almost a stream of consciousness prayer. I was super fascinated too. This is coming on the heels of Psalm 3. And Psalm 3, verse 7, is praise to God, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. Hmm. It's pretty strong language. It is not the language that we hear here where... He is calling these people, you know, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord Mm. as if he's hoping. I don't know if these are different groups of people. I mean, we don't have the full context of when he wrote this psalm, right? But yeah, this longing for these people who are turning his glory into shame, as he says in verse 2. To then return to God is a a remarkable thing that's Mm. happening just right there in the midst of the psalm. And I was just struck by... You know, we talked about, when I talked with Aaron for Psalm 2, we talked about how the Psalms sort of show us the depth of human emotion. I also think they show us the depth of human relationship, which is interesting, right? They show us the depth of our relationship with God, certainly. That comes up Mm. over and over and over again. But they also show us just the Mm. nuance and the various emotions we can feel to one person. It strikes me that it's very easy to even feel some of these things with your own kind of family members. You can feel just frustration. You can feel that those who are closest to you are against you. And then at the same time, you can long for them to be in community with you. Right. right? And so to have that kind of right here in the early parts of the Psalms, I think, yeah, feels very true to who we are and the dynamics of any relationship, right? Yep. Couldn't agree more. I I love that. The complexity of emotions that we experience with people and how that is so well, like, expressed here in the Psalms. Because, you know, I can't speak for other people, but for me, sometimes I would feel like I can only, you know, when I'm praying about certain people, I don't want to pray my frustrations. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In that prayer. But being able to 
hold all of those things uh, together, right, in our prayers. I think it's a gift. Hey, what do you make of this? Because I thought this was kind of interesting. Yep. This is the first psalm. It's not the first psalm with a title. That was Psalm 3. But it's the first psalm that has this title for the director of music. Hmm. So the idea being that this psalm is a corporate worship psalm. Oh. I've been trying to think about how in the world that works with this strange verse 2 you know, through verse five section, part of my mind goes to this instinctive sort of one side of the room, almost singing to the other. <laughs> How long will you people, you know, turn my glory into shame? <laughs> but one of my observations of just that is like, oh, right. We are these people. Mm-hmm. Like the people of God have been praying this psalm and, and singing it presumably for uh, thousands of years. And so then the question becomes, who who are you people? Is it just the people that we're singing to? Or as we hear people mm. singing this psalm around us, do we realize we are actually also right. the people? Uh. The people who love delusions and seek false gods. What do you think of that? Right. I mean, I think that's a beautiful image. And, and just being able to, and that's the gift of the scripture, right? And I think the Psalms kind of invite us, you know, depending on what kind of seasons that we, we find ourselves in and uh, depending on the dynamics of human relationships that we may be having in that, you know, particular season. Sometimes, as you say, we might find ourselves deeply resonating with David. And sometimes we could be that people joining that choir. And yeah, I think that's the gift of the Psalms and the scripture. It's always tempting to want to identify ourselves with the psalmist. This might be a cultural thing as much as anything. I naturally identify kind of with the hero. So when I read the psalms, I identify with the psalmist voice. But to kind of flip that around and to just have a moment of pause and think, oh, I might be, I might equally be the people who are being referenced here. Yeah. Is sometimes, I think, a helpful kind of different lens or a different way into some of these psalms. Thanks for that. You know, before I, you know, entered into our podcast recording, you know, this time, I, I read this Psalm 4, you know, several times before I, I came here. Not once did I associate myself with the people who are described oh, yeah. in the Psalms. <laughs> so, I mean, all that to say, I'm, I'm resonating with that. That's a good point. Yeah. And maybe that's just because I know my own proclivity to love delusions and seek false gods, you know, hmm. so some of those start hitting you. Hitting you like a two by four a little bit. Yep. Shall we move on to our second question? What do we learn about God from this psalm? What did I learn about God from this psalms? You know, I I look at verse eight, the last verse where David says, Mm -hmm. In peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. And that struck me pretty hard because... I think we're in, we live in a culture where every ache or every pain or every distress or every problem, every discomfort that we experience as human beings, there's, there's always a, a fix. Or at least I think we, we long and yearn for that kind of quick fix. And we have so many resources nowadays that we can turn to, you know, and, and talking about delusions, right? I, mm. I, I think we, we come to believe in our culture that all of the troubles and the aches and the pain that we are experiencing can go away, that it can be completely fixed by all these things that are available to us. So it really struck me to hear from this David, David acknowledging that God, actually you alone are 
you alone, Lord, can can give me that safety. You alone can bring mm-hmm. that sense of peace in my life. You know, I'm distressed by all these conversations and opinions and the lies and the false accusations that I'm getting from these people. But I want to turn to you like you alone can give mm-hmm. me that peace and give me that good night's sleep at, you know, at the end of the day. So it was a refreshing thing, kind of an <laughs> awakening statement, you know, kind of helping me to turn and, and ask, where am I turning? You know, there are, there are so many things yeah. that I can turn to. So I think God also, to answer, answer the second question, God is the only one who can give us peace and safety. Yeah, that's a, that's a radical statement in our world, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so very <laughs> much. Is, that's so helpful, Q. I, I'm struck. I mean, this is one of the marvels of the Psalms. That is kind of contained almost in one word, in that word alone. Mm. You know, for yep. you, Lord, make me dwell in safety. We might say that's true, but it becomes radical when David says, for you alone, Lord, mm-hmm. right. make me dwell in safety. Yep. And just the beauty of that. If, you, if you're pointing to the end of the psalm, my thing that I observed that I think we learned about God points to the beginning of the psalm, which is interesting. This, this first phrase, answer me when I call to you my righteous God. Mm. I was just struck by the fact that God is righteous. But I feel like this is one of those things where if you have been on some kind of journey of faith for long enough, then that just feels obvious. God is obviously righteous. He's good. He's loving. He's all these things. But it doesn't, it didn't have to be that way, right? It's not, it's not necessary that God's character is as good as it is. In other words, it is, it is who he is and has always been who he is. But I can imagine a world of a capricious God. I mean, the Greek gods, right, are kind of human beings with all their brokenness, kind of superhuman <laughs> ability. We can, we can fathom a reality where there would be a vindictive God. But the God that we pray to is a righteous God. He cares about injustice. He mm-hmm. cares about things not being right in his world. And the, the psalmist can call out to him, answer me when I call to you. The whole reason he can say that and ask that of God is because God is righteous, because mm-hmm. God will answer his people when they call to him. That's just something that sometimes I need to marvel more at, the goodness of God, so to speak, and the gift that that is. Not because God can be or is or wants to be anything else, Right. But it is a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. It's maybe not something we I learned so much that I was reminded of when I read this psalm, just again in kind of one simple word. Yep, and it's it's good to be reminded of that, especially in our season, right? I, you know, when there are so many opinions, whether it be in our real life conversations or social media conversations, and you know these narratives and all these things and. And to be reminded that God has always been a righteous God and just kind of makes me wonder what could be the things, what could be the things that could be sort of maybe distract us, so to speak, from this understanding of a God who's always been righteous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So just leads me to a question. I think one of the things this year has done is it's highlighted cultural injustice particularly in our North American context, mm-hmm. for many people, for lots of people, they've been experiencing this for decades, centuries right. even, right? But for a number of people, it's been eye-opening. And I think 
This conversation, this reality of God being righteous, reminds me that God has been weeping over that injustice since it yeah. began. Right? Yeah. God has not had his eyes opened this year. Mm, right. like he, he he's not sort of been tolerant yeah, of injustice. He's just, yeah, he's not you know, catching up time. to this this whole yeah. thing this year. Like he he's not sort of along the ride. He's been angry. He's been yearning for this to be made right, right? Working towards it being made right through many people, many Christians throughout centuries. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we I think it's tempting to think that God is at the same level as me in terms of awareness and longing. Yeah, sure thing. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Which is total nonsense. Another like, it's delusion. totally silly. <laughs> but it's sort of when we start making God in our own image, right? But, right. Yeah. Which yeah, we're prone to do all the time. No, that is, that's such a beautiful image to think about our context, especially this year, as you said, Matt, and, and then to read again that word here in the, in the Psalm 4, righteous God. That's a beautiful mm. image. And God who's been weeping, God who's been angry, God who's been lamenting. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of lament, mm-hmm. not that this is our answer, but lament is a form of prayer. So how does this psalm help us to pray? Yeah, I think, Matt, for me, it would help us to pray with hope, with sheer mm-hmm. honesty and with this sense of, you know, one other thing that really struck me is this, honesty that David has but also this very bold confident faith that he has in God and I think that you know both those two things together I think can be translated as hope the hope that he has in God so I think we can pray with hope we can pray with hope that God hears our prayer and that God answers our prayer and I think we can pray with the hope that you know the people even the most difficult people uh, who may be in our lives. And as you said so well, sometimes I could be that, you know, difficult person to somebody else Mm. in our world. But but we can pray, you know, whether we're praying for ourselves or whether we're praying for others in our lives. I think it's really hard and difficult for people to change. Mm. But there's hope that God is able to turn people back to him and God is able to change any of us, really, and make us, uh, more and more into the image of himself, a just mm. God, a righteous God, and therefore righteous people. We can yeah. become those people, right? So I think we can pray with hope for all of those things to happen. Yeah, I love that, Q. My observation was this psalm helps us pray regardless of circumstances. And I, I looked at this particularly in verse 6 and 7. And again, this is borrowing from some commentator help. But there's two perspectives in these verses. So many Lord are asking who will bring us prosperity. And then this one commentator, uh, Derek Kidner was arguing that the next line is another perspective. Mm. It's David's perspective. Let the light of your face shine on us. Then David continues, fill my heart with joy. And then the other perspective, when their grain and new wine abound. So in other words, when other people are sort of able to get drunk and enjoy hot bread, but I'm not, fill my heart with joy. When people are wondering who will bring us prosperity, let the light of your face shine on me. Let me be aware of you. In other words, let my prayer be driven not by the circumstances that I'm surrounded by, Mm. but let them be a response to you. And, and I rely on you to help me pray, like fill my heart with joy. I almost hear that as a, like, help me pray, (laughs) help me come to you (laughs) with joy. Help me come to you with desire and Mm. excitement those two particular verses stood out to me as just a reminder that we sometimes also have to pray about praying 
<laughs> Lord, help me to pray. Yeah. Like, fill my heart with joy. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Absolutely. So, Q, any final thoughts on Psalm 4? I mean, there's obviously more. There's always more about a psalm that we could talk. Mm. Sure thing. I mean, I think we've covered, you know, good grounds here. One thing that really stood on and, and struck me about our conversation itself is that what a gift it is to be able to have these thoughts arise by reading a particular psalm, but to be able to share it together and to be inspired yeah. by each other. And, you know, the things that you've shared with me, Sean lied on, you know, other things that I might have missed from the Psalms, you know, so I just find that as a gift. And I'd like to just encourage people at home to do the same, maybe, you know, maybe read Psalm 4 together as a family or with a friend, you know, this week, find some time to do so. Our hope is that these three questions provide a very easy framework for you to spend some extra time kind of, yeah, reflecting on the Psalms on your own. Sometimes we read a passage of scripture and, you know, what does it mean to study it or what does it mean to meditate on it? And these are just three very simple questions. You know, what stood mm. out to you? What do you learn about God? Right. How does it help you pray that you can right. use really for any Psalm? Uh, and right. that we're going to try to use for any yeah. Psalm as kind of ways in. And then I think just so. one more thing to that is that I think when we do that, it often reveals the things that we believe about God. You know what I mean? Or we believe mm. about our relationship with God. You yes. Know? And I find that really yeah, interesting, yeah. right? And then you would hear from other people and you could see other parts of who God is and the beauty of God that maybe that I was missing when I was reading this particular psalm, you know? So I just find that to be a good gift. Yeah. Well, Q, thanks Matt. for these good words. I found this conversation wonderful. I'd say that you brought 110% of Q today. So. <laughs> Whoever's listening Let's, today, that's what I was shooting for. And I felt, that's uh, I hope that you felt for. the same way as Matt. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure they did. Well, Q, I'm so grateful. Seriously, this was, this was a great conversation. I appreciate it. I so appreciate how you're also inviting other people both into this conversation and into reflecting on the Psalms. That's part of what the whole purpose of this podcast is for. Yeah. So. Well, friends, on that note, with thanks to Q, go out, pray with hope, pray with honesty, and go out and pray the Psalms. <laughs>